Hello everyone and thank you for the download. It's Thursday, May 20th, and this is episode 34 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host and future travel partner, Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben? Can I take this mask off yet? No, no, keep wearing it. Do I have to keep wearing it? Okay, I'm doing great. Doing yeah. great. And the guy who for some reason wants no part of Florida in July, the Sultan of Saki. What's up, Josh? Vomit in your mom's spaghetti, or whatever that talking singer says. I'm lost. Eminem, baby, come on. You lose yourself in the music, the moment. Yeah. Is that the oh. actual lyric? Wow. Tim doesn't know. Yeah. Vomit <laughs> on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought he, I heard him say, vomit in bombs. your mom's spaghetti. I'm <laughs> um, forgetting okay. what he wrote yes, down okay. the work. Tim does no, So not. that, I'll, I'll do the song for you. I don't think you got the... it right. I, I'm familiar with the song. I don't think you got I it right. I clarified now. it by saying, <laughs> or whatever the talking singer says. Plus, it's the quote from a, a quote from a TV show. I'll sing the I'll sing the entire song for our post uh, credits outro. Jimmy Fallon's hashtag of the week was misheard song lyrics as well, so uh, that's a relevant uh, relevant reference. The most mis the misheard the most misheard song lyrics are literally any song that my wife heard between about 1998 <laughs> and four weeks ago. I hear her singing sometimes. I don't know that she's ever gotten a single lyric right, but hers and on <laughs> they're they are at least hilarious and sometimes actually better than the correct lyrics. The uh, the one that I submitted, um, and this is on the heels of my working at CVS for seven years. So you got seven years of like the same twenty songs in the CVS uh, uh, playlist. I didn't uh, know the, you were a pharmacist. Good job. The uh, the chorus, um, uh, breathless. I the I sang it as "Go on, leave me breakfast." It was a lot more intimate song. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not why he called. We, uh, I don't know, we did a show about a month and a half ago. These do transitions lyrical are misunderstandings tend to trend toward food, just out of curiosity? <laughs> they, they generally do. <laughs> I figured you'd uh, figured uh, been more appreciative of is another one. Um, <laughs> I figured you'd appreciate the mom's spaghetti joke a little more. Right. Wrapped up like a douche? <laughs> well, that I think is actually correct. I've looked that up a hundred times and still don't know what it, exactly it is that he's supposed to be saying. I'm pretty sure that's correct, yes. Whatever a deuce is, which according to uh, Stewie is a poop, so I yes. don't think that's any better. <laughs> uh, well, the they tried. They initially tried the uh, song with uh, focus groups to wrapped up like a poop, and that just didn't make any sense. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a uh, Kingdom Cast esque start already. We have a couple of news items since we uh, last met. We're going to hit on some of those and answer some listener questions. And we did ourselves a favor by not asking for any, so we have less to do and we hopefully won't have a six-hour show. Um, but first, the news. Velocicoaster, yes, Velocicoaster is in soft openings right now. Uh, and as we've <laughs> said on uh, several occasions, the best way to experience an attraction, especially a roller coaster, is with a YouTube video. So I'm sure you guys have watched it. What do you think? Well, the best way to experience anything in life is with a soft opening. Yes, but, uh, yes. <laughs> now, I, I think this coaster looks absolutely incredible. It looks I great. Mean, I, I love coasters, and there's certain elements on coasters in particular that I really like. I love uh, sort of not just weightless moments. Like, you know, there's lots of roller coasters that have airtime hills or what they call like ejector air hills where they like kind of pop you out of the seat. But this has just legit hang time 
in the inverted sense where, you know, just slow inverted maneuvers where you're hanging from the harness, all of the, it hugs the terrain, which is remarkable in Florida. You know, this is a thing you expect from a a coaster at Dollywood or something where there's a lot of natural terrain to work with, but to, to do such a good job of interacting with the natural environment as this coaster did, I think this is really a masterpiece. And it's, I, I think it's a really good execution of the sort of things you have to do with a steel outdoor exposed structure coaster to make it something that isn't like Six Flags. You know, obviously you could do things with the queue, but when you're talking about these external coasters, the theming, Haggard's maybe aside for the moment, is not generally a big part of them. You know, this is a high thrill coaster, but they did just this is not something you could ever just duplicate somewhere else because it interacts so much with everything around it. So I, I think it looks to me, this is one of those things where I'm like, shit, I got to go down to Florida. I want to go ride this thing because it looks absolutely uh, incredible. So props to universal for continuing to just, I mean, their, their kill list is getting pretty long of just really phenomenally executed things. I'm looking forward to what their actual response to the Tron attraction will be, because they've already built two that by all accounts are better attractions than what Tron will be. Yeah. From a from a length of coaster standpoint. And that's the uh, not to uh, shit on Tron, but that's going to be the criticism of Tron when it opens up that it's maybe 60 to 70 seconds. And both Velocicoaster and uh, Hagrid's as themed I guess more intense roller coasters still carry with it an extra 20 to 30 seconds, which in coaster time is huge. Uh, but beyond that, I think it's just a really cool conceit where it's almost self-referential because it is a Jurassic World coaster. So I'm usually one to criticize a uh, ex- exposed steel anywhere. Uh, there's some on Everest, there's some on Hagrid's, there's some on Velocicoaster. There's definitely a lot on Slinky Dog. But I think it's part of the story of this coaster as well because it is effectively in a theme park in a theme park, if that yeah, makes sense. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that that's the one thing that uh, we'll get on this in, in a second and a little bit more, but like in the queue where the references to uh, – where Chris Pratt's character is actually like questioning, like whose idea was it to put a roller coaster through the Raptor paddock? Right. Like they, they, they definitely reference, this isn't trying to hide itself that this is some experience. They're, they're acknowledging that this is a roller coaster in a theme park and it's a terrible idea and nobody should be doing it. And so the, I, I think you definitely get a pass on the exposed steel and the way it was built because of how they reference it themselves in the queue. It's a hell of a better backstory than like Chester and Hester, where it's like, oh, we spent a lot of money to make this look like Josh, shit. That it's is like, a great story, <laughs> and we need to defend it at, at, all, at costs. all costs. Like, you know, that's like, in my opinion, one of the biggest theme park fails, um, you know, in modern times. And this is, it really shows the difference. You get a lot of leeway, I think, in life and apparently also in theme park design when you don't take yourself too seriously. Like you want to do a really good job, Mm -hmm. but if you have an attraction you want to build and there are certain constraints there that would prevent you from doing it in a way that is, you know, perfectly homogenous, don't create some nonsense backstory and then never tell anyone just to basically excuse it. Like just do it. You know, and I, I feel like Universal is much more, I'm going to use a sports reference here, which I know is a mistake. And you, you too, especially <laughs> know is, that. This but is going to be great. You do see athletes sometimes where they clearly, you know, 
they get the yips, right? When no matter what they do, they can't do anything right. But you also see athletes where they're just, they get into the zone where it's like, they're not even thinking it's just automatic response and they're performing at a really high level. And it just seems like universal is there. They're comfortable. They're loose. They're not making stupid decisions, but they're also not resting on their laurels. They just keep doing and doing and doing. And I just think that the, the confidence that they've gotten has really allowed them to pull some things off and the confidence that they've created in their investors to where they can still get this stuff bankrolled. Um, it just, they're just hitting on all cylinders, I guess, to use as many metaphors, analogies, homophones, trombones, and chamberines as I can. Hey, they, Tim, they're just nailing it. Tim, can we take a second to review uh, Josh's sports reference? Did yeah, I do I mean, real bad? Got, he, that he was, was talking that about a guy bad. getting in the zone. I mean, oh, that's pretty good. Thanks, I bud. know, <laughs> Josh, you're a huge fan of LeBron, and watching him when he's in the zone, <laughs> uh, you know, taking shots from the field is is very, very impressive. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Josh. Good job, that was Josh. good. So, that was good. Uh, <laughs> I think the, I'll talk to you after the show. <laughs> the reason why uh, we see stuff like this, or one of the reasons why we see stuff like this, is – Universal Creative is a much smaller department. They we've we've talked yeah. about this at length on this show that we're kind of sick and tired of Disney focus grouping everything because when you when you focus group something to death you get ridiculous names that Velocicoaster, um, <laughs> a Jurassic World adventure. Exactly. That's that's what we get and yeah. we'll talk about Spider-Man uh, at TCA in a minute uh, or as it is referred to Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Yeah. You know what? There's This is going to sound more dirty than I intended to, but there's too many colons in Universal right now. <laughs> in, in Disney uh, naming. Not, you know? not, yeah, sorry. Not every title needs a colon, you know? Yes, yes. But uh, to, to the Velocicoaster um, concept itself, I kind of wish they did a we, – we praise Universal for not overselling things. They just open things. Uh, I kind of wish they put the pitch out there for this one because the elevator pitch for this ride itself is great. And that's probably how it got made. Like you had a couple of people at Universal Creative that had the idea, say, like, we can be self-referential with this franchise and we can basically do whatever the hell we want. And this is what they came up with. Um, I'm looking forward to writing it. I'm not sure when it's going to be. Uh, ben, uh, we'll talk about Ben and my trip planning uh, shortly. But are you guys planning on going over to Universal? Uh, this summer uh, or no? Uh, we won't during this summer uh, because we we did a, a universal trip back in November. Uh, okay. So we yeah we won't be going this summer. Um, I was gonna say just my thoughts on based on what I've seen and maybe this plays a little bit in why it's not necessarily a huge high priority for us to get over there and do it immediately. Uh, if I was going by myself, yes, I'd do everything I could to get over there. Uh, but after watching this video, this this literally has become like the first roller coaster where even I questioned myself getting on it a little bit and how it's going to affect me the rest of the day. Uh, I've never really done that before with the coaster, but the, the based on some of the reviews that I've read and how, you know, what some of the people that I really trust in the community have said about after writing it and then watching it for myself, uh, this thing's a beast. Uh, it's intense. Uh, I have a 12 year old daughter who does question going on a lot of these rides and, you know, being the dad, like always push, ah, you can do it. Nothing's going to go wrong. Get on there. Go, even now she's looked at it. She's like, I don't want to do that, dad. And my only response to her is like, I understand. Uh, cool. We'll, uh, we'll figure something out. You can write it afterwards. And, uh, and we'll- so I, I, you know, I think there's a, an asterisk that has to be put on that though, because when we were kids, I mean, we're all roughly the same age. I think I got a couple years on both of you, but if you saw an intense looking ride, it was really intense in the sense that it would probably physically hurt your body, but they I, have come. I, 
Go ahead. I was gonna say I, I lived right down the street and grew up next to the Texas Giant. That's that's what for the period of time, the world's largest wooden roller coaster. Yeah. I actually I actually missed basketball games in junior high because of a rib <laughs> injury I suffered yeah. on that attraction. So yes, yeah, I know that, where you're going here. And that is no joke. And I mean, with the exception maybe of the Hulk, you know, these intimate coasters and B and M coasters, they are so brilliantly engineered. The the not only just the radius of all of the maneuvers I do that like it does, that but the, the Hulk, but I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> the Hulk hurts. You know, the access that it rolls you through, these heartline rolls and everything, they yeah. really are just they're now sort of their bark is bigger than their bite, most yeah. of them. With the exception of still some wood coasters. But the the rides that are really in favor, and I think part of the reason that theme parks keep investing in these big mega and giga and otherwise awesome steel coasters is because the the ride experience is just so predictable. And right. it's generally pretty gentle. And every once yep. in a while, you'll see one of them, they'll come back a year after opening. They'll add a set of trim brakes somewhere along the run to, to tame it down in some parts. But for the most part, these things really aren't that bad. So I, I have no doubt that if your daughter can fit in it, she's probably going to come out smiling from ear to ear. Probably. And and I think we, she probably would do it, I think, in another year. You know, we'll, we will definitely be going back uh, after this trip uh, at some point within the next year. And, and I think we'll all get on there. But the one thing I want to say, though, before we move on to the next deal, um, going back to Josh's reference of being in the zone, uh, the one thing that Universal is definitely in the zone in right now, though, is their building of queues and the buildup of the story before any attraction. I know we make fun of the Fast and Furious. We, we did not do a great job, uh, a great review on Mario Kart. But everything before you get on the ride, Universal is doing a fantastic job of story building, world building, and getting you ready for these attractions. That, to me, is where they're just killing it right now. From from the minute you step in and you come up on that raptor statue to bringing back Mr. DNA, which is fan- yeah. phenomenal, uh, to the audio-animatronic raptor heads that you pass uh, in their cages before you get on the ride. The whole experience here from top to bottom, the ride looks fantastic, but man, that queue is something I'm really looking forward to getting to walk through. I think, think that Go ahead. no one has listened to this show could possibly think that we're in the pocket or Disney, of Disney or Universal because we criticize them both. Yep. They, these are both companies that do things that are tremendous and they also screw up. So I look at our shows where we've criticized Universal attractions as those are the ones that actually give us credibility. You know, any show that is either bashes 100% of what a company does or praises 100%, they're just not being honest or they're just not very discerning. So, I, you know, I take a lot of pride in when we're willing to take to praise universe. You know, we're ostensibly a Disney show. I mean, we're named after Disney Imagineer, but I think in reality, we're just three guys that really love phenomenal theme park attractions. Oh, so that's why we're called Marty Cole. <laughs> I knew you- call didn't make sense if we wanted something to hit both. Actually, that could have served both. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with respect to Ben's comment on the cues, do you guys think that that might even be an overcorrection? Because historically, I'd say pre-Potter, Universal got a rap, whether it was deserved or not, of having bad cues in comparison to Disney. And I think since then, you could argue that Disney has certainly had some amazing cues, but also in other cases rested on their laurels, whereas Universal has absolutely stepped up their game with pushing the limits of what can be in a queue, like in Kong, where you have a scare actor. Not anymore. You said it's some other ones. Personally, I think this is an example of... uh, just good luck coupling with timing, coupling with good business decisions. I think that their relationship with Rawling 
forced their Q game up. I think that, oh, absolutely. You, you know, certainly the standards that she expected were higher than some of their work. Um, when they rethemed Dragon Challenge, well, this is actually a post-Potter thing. When they rethemed uh, Dueling Dragons to Jagged Dragon Challenge, like that was a pretty weak, granted it was an overlay and it wasn't a new build, but still like, you know, I, I think that they, you that said was it, a step you, backwards from a Q standpoint. I think I was, was going to say you asked if it was an overcorrection. I would say it was a correction. This was an area where they were deficient. I think they started to take flack for it. And I think that they made appropriate fixes. So I, I give them a pat on the back for that. To be clear, the uh, original Dueling Dragons Q was substantially better than yep. the Dragon Challenge Q. Absolutely. But <laughs> take that out of my argument for the purpose of it. But Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I was trying to use it too. And then I, the, I, the timeline snapped yeah. in my head. I'm like, oh, wait. All right. Um, I'm looking forward to riding Velocicoaster. I don't know when it will be. There's a chance I do it in July, but I only have, you know, four days. So uh, I don't know. Um, failing that, I've lined up my next seven Disney trips. So <laughs> there'll be a chance where I pop over there. But anyway, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I think we get back in the fall at some point. We might do something yeah. around Halloween uh, or Christmas, and that'll that'll be our first chance to do it. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that has broken uh, within the last few days uh, on the heels of CDC recommendations, uh, recommendations from the White House, many states following suit, uh, both Universal and Disney have lifted their outdoor mask mandate. I know some people are absolutely uncomfortable with the idea of this, but it seems like there is science, there is Evidence with uh, uh, Ben State, uh, the lawless state of Texas, having not had mask mandates for, what, two months now, Ben? And yeah. not really seeing the catastrophic spike. By no means am I a scientist, but as somebody that is going to be in Florida in July, I, I welcome this. And I know that there are some people, though, that were there when this happened and were not a fan of it. We're still in a time where these things have been unfortunately politicized, but I think anything that is a return to normal is uh, is a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems that apparently it's a lot easier to talk people into being afraid than it is to talk them back out of it. Oh, absolutely. You can you can convince anything if you scare them. Yeah, like you said, somebody going in July, I know we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, you know, granted, we, we've decided as a family to get vaccinated. So we feel comfortable with doing it and, and, and having the mask off. I did see that uh, Orlando today did say they're going to keep the mask mandate uh, for all indoor buildings and facilities, uh, which was that they got to the point where they were cleared, where that was not uh, it's not required, but they have said today that they are going to keep that mandate in. So it looks like Disney will follow suit with that for, for the time being. Uh, I'm sure that will change uh, by midsummer as things keep progressing. But I think my th biggest thing here is just no matter what the rule is or whatever they say to do, just, you know, especially when you're in the parks, just don't be a jerk to each other yeah, or the absolutely. cast members that are like trying to enforce rules that they didn't make up. Uh, you know, yeah. if, if, if it still is going on where you can have your mask off while you're walking around, but you need to have it on when you go in the queue and you have yours off and they tell you to put it on, they didn't make the rules. Uh, yep. They're working, they're getting paid just to do their job. Don't be jerks to them. Do, do what they ask. Uh, if you can't follow the rules, you know, don't, Go during this time period. Keep exactly. keep waiting. But we we actually this was supposed to be our summer trip, our, our uh, uh, big family trip, and there there were family members that were very much like this, saying if they have mask rules going on, we're not going. And mm -hmm. guess what? They're not going. We're going to push it to the next summer. That's fine too. So I, that's my only thing on here. I I, I 
don't really care which side of the fence anybody stands on. I think you can all make your own decisions and, and choices. Uh, they're just, you know, at the, at the time right now, there are still some requirements that Disney, uh, does ha- have into effect. And if they, if, if the people that are making the millions and millions and millions of dollars above them are telling the people who are making, you know, dollars an hour to, to enforce these rules, please just abide by what they're, what they're asking and, and be cool while you're in the parks. Yeah, that's that's the big thing here. That as long as people continue to be respectful, and I, I mean, there, I'm sure that there have been instances in the last couple of days. Um, but I knew going this summer I was going to have to potentially adhere to a mask policy. Uh, but I knew that when I booked it, I'm pleased to uh, to not have to be doing it outside in 95 degree heat. And I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that. When uh, when we arrive, that that we won't have masks anywhere. I mean, SeaWorld has already lifted it in uh, in indoor and outdoor areas. So SeaWorld is basically mask free because uh, the county, I believe, allows for it. Um, but anyway, uh, it's developing. It's a, another step towards normalcy at Disney World, and that in itself is a good thing. Do we have anything else on the mask mandate, or can we actually talk about fun things? Fun, please. Fun, please. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We hinted at this the last show. Uh, There was an LA Times article back in March about a project called Disneyland Forward. And um, for people that need a refresher, this is Disney's approach to take advantage of a crisis and try to, I guess, recategorize areas of development on uh, the property that Disneyland owns. So they have several parking lots that are on the opposite side of Disneyland Drive as the theme parks. And the LA Times article showed uh, concepts of what can be done in those parking lots. And people kind of studied those very intently and probably read way too much into them. But it does present areas of opportunity for Disneyland. And we had a question last week that kind of touched on it. But we uh, have all kind of looked at it and possibly came up with a few ideas for what we would like to see in the next 10 to 20 years on that parcel of land should the uh, city of Anaheim allow Disney to develop it further. I'm glad you put the asterisk there because I think that's yes. going to be a part we're going to have to discuss. Josh, you kind of had a, uh, a quick summary of the effective rules of how this is going to be governed uh, <laughs> that, I, that I found comical. If you want to go over that. Yeah, when I read it to me, it seemed like a kid asking his parents if they could stay out late. And then the parents asking them, well, why, what do you want to do? And the kid being like, well, I'll tell you after you say I can. Yeah. Like, because that's, <laughs> I mean, I read, I only read a couple of articles about it, but they, the one thing that they had in common is that they were basically non-existent in terms of details. Right. Um, and it seems like, and I'm kind of okay with that. I mean, it, it seems like Disney is, I guess they're in a little bit of a catch-22, um, they don't want to make an announcement that, hey, we're going to do this if that violates what they're able to do in accordance with whatever agreement they have with the city council. But at the same time, they don't want to do nothing. So they essentially, I guess they had two options. They could quietly go to the city council and say, hey, we want to do this. Will you let us? But it seems like they took a much more strategically intelligent path, which is they got the public involved. Which, you know? which is rare for them. But. <laughs> but but you could see why they would do it because oh, now it's not the council saying no to Disney. It's saying no to Disney and to all of the people that, you know, that go to those parks. And I also think that the timing is no coincidence because quite frankly, this is almost certainly in the 
since 19, between 1955 and a month ago, there's never been a time where expanding Disneyland was less important because the place has been closed. <laughs> right. right. So yeah, maybe there's some pent up demand and whatnot, but, but let's face it, what that place needs to do is keep running. But it seems to me that when you are the anchor attraction to an entire city and the revenues have gone from whatever the heck they were, which had to be an astronomical number to zero, that, you know, the tax revenue for the municipality has gone down too. So it seems like this is probably a time where Disney has the clout to upset a longstanding rule that has limited their flexibility. So it, 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 it comes as no surprise to me that they're doing this. I hope they're successful. Um, but I honestly think that they have absolutely no idea whatsoever what it is they're going to do if they get a green light. The the th- interesting thing here, well, there's several interesting things here, but it very well could be a blank canvas in a lot of in a lot of cases because for the most part, the area that they're talking about development developing is parking lot. Yes, there are hotels on it, but for the most part, it is parking lots. Uh, it runs uh, perpendicular to the two parks. I guess is the best way to explain it. Um, for people that aren't familiar with the Disneyland setup, their downtown Disney area and a promenade kind of split the landmass of the two parks, and then this kind of form this area of development forms a T with that promenade and downtown Disney area, and the portion that is adjacent to Disneyland is relatively close to Critter Country and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and the portion that is close to California Adventure. Uh, and this is, I think, what is most intriguing, is next to the shittiest part of California Adventure. <laughs> and, Ben, you can attest to this, but it's like uh, the a corner of Paradise Pier, which actually has a pretty decent quick service restaurant, but also mm-hmm. Goofy Sky School and a lot of the off-the-shelf uh, shelf type rides. Uh, so that, to me is very intriguing where you basically would have a blank canvas if you wanted to gut part of the park and expand into that parking lot. Yeah, and that's uh that parking lot is huge. Uh yeah. I can see a lot going on there. The 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 one that's the downtown Disney parking lot that when I was working in LA uh and flying out there, you know, a couple times uh several times a year and I would get off early enough to go down there for dinner or whatever downtown Disney a late night. That's the parking lot I would always park in and I can't envision what they put out there uh, as a photo being anything to handle, you know, nearly what they what they're putting out there. So that's I think my biggest thing is yes, they have stressed over and over that this is blue sky, this is yeah. don't don't read into these maps, don't look into this uh artwork very closely, but when you put, you know, a uh, rock work of Wakanda uh, in the corner of a section and start people seeing like a Black Panther attraction going into that section in that area. Uh, you're gonna, you're, you're going to overpromise. And I hope that they, if they get this approved, what they don't do is completely under deliver because that's where yeah. they're going to have an issue is if, you know, they, they put this out there that we're going to, we can and we will put in, not that we will. We, you, you start putting out there that you're going to get a Black Panther attraction, one of the highest grossing movies of all time, one of the most beloved characters in the Marvel, you know, MCU. Uh, it's something that, you know, a lot of people have been clamoring for uh, an attraction. We've talked about it on this show, how it would, you know, work in certain parts of Disney World if they wanted to do something with. You start putting stuff out there and then you just come back with, cheap clones of uh, smaller attractions or what, whatever, just to expand the footprint and not necessarily expand the, uh, 
you know, um, the, the, the best that they can put out there. Cause that is what we're dealing with here is like what Josh said, lost revenue of this entire last year. If this get this approved, you know, what kind of commitments are the company going to put forth when it comes to building new attractions over the next 10 years? I think that's a question not just for Disneyland, but Florida and all the other parks around the world as well as they try to recoup money as opposed to invest huge numbers into new attractions. So that's I think that's the slippery slope we're on right now is if this does get approved, then how tr- how close are they going to come to that artwork that they put out there that they knew this artwork was going to get people talking? That's why yeah. they put these things oh, on there. Absolutely. So if they really underdeliver that stuff and just start giving us, you know, more Mater's ja- Junkyard Jamborees in, in that footprint, uh, is that going to bite them in the ass uh, eventually? I don't dislike Junkyard Jamboree, but your point is well taken. I like it. No, but I can see big hero, the Big Hero 6 in one side and the, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the Toy Story one in the other. And they're like, hey, we gave you new attractions. Well, now we have three spinner, you know, three. They, they don't mind putting multiple spinners in, in one park. So, yeah, they could put the uh, they, they do the same thing with that attraction because it's probably way cheaper than building out a massive Wakanda and Black Panther attraction. So you've mentioned Wakanda. Let's talk about it. Um, we've talked about uh, concepts for Wakanda on the show. There is no real restriction to California, uh, so they could build a, a a Wakanda land the size of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, should they so choose. Um, the one problem with the location of this land, uh, of, of this parcel of land, is that it is not adjacent to the existing Avengers Campus in California Adventure. For that reason... I think that if they were to build a Wakanda uh, land, let's let's call it a full-on land, I would actually put it in Disneyland. And I'm sure that people would disagree with that, but I think they've already set the precedent of picking a major IP uh, like Star Wars and focusing an entire land on it. The other thing that Disney has done with the Avengers and any Marvel property is they've been self-referential to them where the attractions themselves take place in the park that they exist in. And I think Wakanda is an actual location that people would want to visit and they can make that the first uh, Marvel themed attraction that doesn't take place uh, conceptually as part of the story in the park that it exists in, where they were just, you're going to Wakanda, you're not going to a Black Panther attraction in Disneyland. Um, And I think that the area, to put it, the area that's adjacent to Disneyland in this parcel of land would be, you might lose Winnie the Pooh, but you have access to a pretty significant chunk of space next to Galaxy's Edge, uh, something like Splash Mountain, we already know is going to be redistricted into New Orleans Square anyway. So there is a space for a large scale, uh, full on Wakanda treatment should they decide to do it in Disneyland. Um, just a thought, but that would be my vote if, uh, I'm involved in any of these committees. It definitely is taking on the presence though, based on what they laid out there of the, you know, the theming of like creating a land that would make sense within a, uh, like a Disneyland setting, an adventure land, a tomorrow land, like that's out the door with the stuff here. It's very much to me taken on the approach of like what they're doing at Disney studios, Paris with the expansion over there where they're just like, here's a lake and here's IP based areas, uh, with no real rhyme or reason. We just know they're popular IPs and here you go. And that's what these two expansion pads just look like is like, Hey, uh, we're just going to put, 
stuff over here and go write it. And it, it you know, it's outside the boundaries of the uh, the two parks already. So maybe it doesn't count towards whatever theming those two parks, <laughs> you know, pretended, you know, especially on the DCA had pretended to have for a while. I, I would still like a theme to a land when it comes oh, to absolutely. Disneyland itself. And like, why is this area over here being built? What are these attractions? You know, what do they have to do with whatever the theme of this expansion is? Don't just give me four new rides for the sake of four new rides. But when you read the article, it certainly sounds like that's what they're actually talking about. Because about three times that article repeats the fact that, and these were, these were not, this was not editorializing. These were quotes from Imagineering saying, we can imagine putting all of these attractions we've built for other parks into here. I mean, that yep. that was the thing that yep. I took away from it, is that we're looking for a place to drop carbon copy clones of things we've already built. And that's, yep. uh, that's and scary that's the, talk. That, that's what we go against here. And uh, why, uh, if we start the dialogue now, and I, I know that Imagineers uh, in the thousands listen to this show, we can start, <laughs> pu- we can start pushing the agenda elsewhere where don't just do that come up with logical choices here. And I think that the the concept art that was in the LA Times article aside, there is some there are several options here for this area where you can expand the downtown Disney area. You could add another tower to the Disneyland Hotel. You could add uh they love adding DVC. You could add DVC to the Grand Californian. Um all those things are in the realm of possibility here. Uh, the one thing that is kind of a bit of a hiccup here is the Paradise Pier Hotel is kind of smack dab in the middle of this. And I would not be surprised if this area is eligible for development if the Paradise Pier Hotel uh, totally gets demolished. Um, because it's probably their least popular Disneyland hotel. And if they find that... Uh, that land is more valuable to be used elsewhere and they can put the hotels on the um, perimeter of this property. I'm sure that they'll, they'll find a way to do it. But uh, that's kind of the thing that I think is the most likely scenario here uh, to happen before uh, any development happens. But uh, did you guys actually have, you know, site plan ideas for it or were we just kind of talking in generalities? I didn't have enough of a, I don't feel like they gave us even clay to work with, honestly. No, they I mean, really didn't. We just know the space. That's all. Ben, yeah. did you uh, have I, any thoughts? I, I didn't. Let's get this approved by uh, Anaheim first. And once okay. we know something's going to be built there, then we can uh, come with our concepts. But until then, yeah, it's uh, you know, a nice, fun political game that they're playing right now. And we'll see. I mean, I would love it for this to get approved so they can expand over there yeah. and then, you know, come up with a better idea than what they put out with. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed on that first and then we'll uh, cross that bridge or under, we'll cross under that street. Like you're going to have yes. to do if you're in either of those <laughs> parks to get these sections uh, later. They can always move streets. That's not a big deal. The, the amount of space is what has this intriguing. And the fact that that space is adjacent to two theme parks uh, makes it so that you can really come up with some cool concepts and, this is probably the best opportunity for substantial expansion to those parks going forward. Uh, and you don't want to see them fumble it like perhaps these suggested proposals uh, may be in our mind. But speaking, I, go ahead. To, just to put a, I mean, since we don't know what, let's be optimistic. If, if Imagineering had a phenomenally great idea as to what they wanted to do with this land, they wouldn't come out and say it. Right. I mean, why do that? Because that's that's just setting themselves up to. They do to, have to a history fail. of announcing things six years ahead of 
know, I know, I know. <laughs> breaking ground. <laughs> I mean, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to derail us, but back when you were talking about Tron, I mean, the, the two things I wanted to mention that I'll, I'll just do now, since you brought it up, because we're talking about the history of how the company does things, just their lead times on things is so incredibly long. Um, and with respect to Tron versus Velocicoaster, just placement, you know, I, I and it, <laughs> it ties into this. It's like, it's not just what you build. It is where you build it. Yep. And, and uh, you know, Tron is going to be really hampered, I think, in the experience it provides, at least in terms of the atmosphere that it creates, because it's buried behind the speedway. So it's a really good example, even though it's not even finished yet, because God knows when they're going to finish building it. But like it, that's a pretty minor problem, honestly, compared to what they're potentially talking about doing here. So yeah, yeah. what I would prefer to think is that they have an idea, they're just dipping their toe in the water to see if it's viable, and they're justifying the thing they want to do by talking about putting in attractions we've already heard about because then they're not letting any cat out of the bag at all. So, I mean, dear eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, please let that be what it is. Because if they're, if what they're shooting for right now, if what they're, you know, praying the outcome is going to be is that they can just drop cookie cutter attractions in. That's a really bad sign See, for the next is, decade. I, I don't, I don't Remarkably know if I, unambitious. I, was yeah. gonna say, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I think this is a different, era of imagineering in the way that i mean we've had stuff announced at d23 expos just to be clear you can't disagree i wasn't saying this is what i think it is i'm saying this is what i hope it is i think your hopes are wrong i disagree with your wishes (laughs) your dreams they're bullshit i i I think (laughs) this this group though the 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 current the way they do have been doing their business over the last several years it wouldn't shock me if this was put out there to see what the reception was going to be and if the reception came back positive that was going to be them going, okay, that's what they want. This is what we'll do. Uh, as opposed to them having a, a better hidden plan in the background, as, you know, that, that I wish they I could disagree with there. you. Yeah. I do think that the big shoe to drop now that Galaxy's Edge has opened from a Disney or Disneyland development standpoint is a Wakanda attraction or land. I think that is the biggest IP that they are currently sitting on that they have yet to announce anything about. Um, so the presence of that in this concept art is at the at minimum intriguing uh whether anything comes of it remains to be seen but it is i I don't know that you guys can come up with anything else that they're currently sitting on that has the large-scale appeal of building a themed area around wakanda i I can't think of anything on top of my head unless somebody gets lord of the rings rights no, no I think it's the biggest yeah. one. Although Bergen would say that they didn't sell enough toys for them to justify a Black Panther attraction. So sure, sure. Um, speaking of Marvel attractions, uh, next month, Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure starring Figment, will be opening at California Adventure. Uh, and today they dropped information that there will be accessories to enhance your experience on the attraction. Uh, ben, can you shed some light onto this one? I can after I'm, I'm so mad at myself, though, because I had a wonderful joke for the Velocicoaster because uh, I think we're going to be dealing with this uh, this attraction the same way we dealt with Mario Kart. Uh, I was going to say on Velocicoaster, the only thing that would have made that better if they had augmented reality goggles that you put on <laughs> to see raptors running all over the track. That would have made it even better. Uh, sorry. Because, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I, I if you liked our Mario Kart review, wait till our next episode when we review uh, uh, Web Slingers. I'm sure it's going to be just as fantastic. But uh, yes, Disney put out there, uh, they, they showed some new products uh, today that would 
if you purchase them uh, and wear them on this attraction, it'll actually enhance the attraction for those that are wearing it. You'll have power up options uh, for for the weapon that you'll use uh, while riding this ride that can affect what you see and 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 what happens on the ride and affect your score. Uh, essentially, it's you know letting you buy uh, buy power ups so that you can <laughs> ride the ride and do better than the people who don't purchase the power-ups and ride the attractions. So it's been a big uh, debate online about, uh, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? I think people forget this isn't like the real world and your score really ultimately doesn't matter. Uh, it's not going to affect anything. These things aren't real. Uh, so, you know, unlike smugglers you, run I know, where your score <laughs> does matter. True. What, true. When my so wife it, goes to bed with me, she wears glasses that make me look like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> she calls them her power-ups. Can you uh, let me drop me a DM on where they bought those? I, <laughs> you want to wear them or you want to give them to your wife? <laughs> well, hey, gosling. Maybe we could both uh, wear them. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a, a lot of comparison to the the wands that you purchase uh, at Harry Potter and how you experience things. Different. Uh, there, I do think it's different because, you know, if you purchase those wands, it's for stuff that are outside the attractions. You make that choice to, to do those experiences, whereas uh, – you know, it doesn't affect anything that you're doing while you're riding the two Harry Potter uh, rides. So uh, news that's out there, it's, it's I, I didn't anticipate this coming uh, to where I knew there was going to be a lot of add-ons and things you could buy. You could buy the little spider bots. You could do stuff like that. But uh, to actually purchase something that will affect gameplay on a game that, you know, attraction that is it is a, you know, big living, breathing video game uh, compared to most attractions, that that's pretty interesting news and and. I don't know how I feel about this quite just yet. I just I want to watch a video of Bob Iger talking about what the Disney company is doing to uh, solve income equality, and then have him tell me that the roller coaster I ride is going <laughs> to seem like it's going ten miles per hour slower because I didn't wear the fancy glasses. I think this is uh, really just giving uh, Mr. Iger and uh, to a lesser extent Tom Sags and Jay Rizzullo, uh all of the credit in the world for next gen finally coming to fruition and uh, materializing on an attraction as they promised where you can utilize. Yeah. Sorry. Capitalizing on an attraction uh, with, you know, the magic band technology and we can interact with the rides better than we ever had before. I'm just, I'm so glad that they've been able to put all of this together in Disney world. Oh wait, no wrong. They didn't put the infrastructure in Disneyland. This is so uh, this, what this, if, we're charging. If, Do we have a price you, point for these? When you check into a uh, a budget resort, they give you a, you can buy for ten dollars AR glasses that makes the room look clean. That's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, really, there's there's no limit to what you could do with this. So the my understanding on Spider Man is it's not AR. It's 3D. Uh, excuse me, is that correct? Sorry, Web Slingers, the Spider Man adventure. Oh, okay, now I know what you're saying. Thank <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> Spider Man is in Universal. Right. Right. Although that one does have a long name as well, isn't it? The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man, which is the... But that is the actual name of the comic, so I I feel like that's a little less egregious. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll give him a uh, a pass. (laughs) It is AR, but it's it's a different... The AR is done differently from how they did it. like Yeah, on Mario Kart, where it's, it's the... It's like that glass screen that you're caged inside that, that you'll the, the effects will happen on there as opposed to gotcha. goggles that you'll be wearing. So we first saw the uh, the blueprints for Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure, 
and it looked very much like Toy Story Mania with the track layout, the double-sided vehicles. I don't know that that's fully a representation of it, but uh, we said it on here. For me, Spider-Man is my favorite ride at Universal. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best ride at Universal, but it's absolutely my favorite ride over there. That is one of and the best first ride rides you'll ever have. Like, I remember the first time riding, I was like, what just happened? We There are a few, like, there are perfect rides in Disney World. There are perfect rides in, in Universal, and Spider-Man is one of them. I don't know that anyone would begrudge you for saying that Spider-Man is your favorite ride in the world of any theme park uh, that you've been no. in. And there's, there's plenty of things that would kind of fit, fall into that category. Disney certainly has theirs that are in that category as well. Perfect but, is a tricky word choice because that means but, it couldn't, you know, couldn't you know, be like, better. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to stick with it just because there's no need to argue semantics here. Have you ever you've met me, right? <laughs> yes, I, I know it's what you do for a living. With with that said, Disney is absolutely fighting an uphill battle with this attraction. Like they, it it will be compared to the Universal counterpart on yep. day one, yep. and if it is not better than it, then it's going to be deemed a failure no matter what they do. And what year did the Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man open? Whenever that Nin- park opened, 90- so early 2000s, I think. 98? Or was it well, it's left right? So it was I think it was early uh, 2000s. So you've got a good 18 to 20 year. Uh, May te- 28th, 99. So. Okay. Yeah. So 22 years. Yep. It yep. needs to be significantly better. <laughs> it won't be. And... It the, that's the problem too. Like it could be a great attraction, but, but if it's if it's say it's a solid D ticket or even a solid E ticket, it's going to be compared against one of the best attractions in the world. So even though it's taking a different approach to the Spider-Man franchise, it's based on the movies as opposed to the comic books. It's still going to be held up to a very very high standard, and it's it's being set up to fail. That's the uh, concern I, I, I have with it. Yeah, I was gonna say I think your initial sentiment was right. You know, as a tech nerd. I, I hear people all the time that are Android, you know, hardcore fans or fans hardcore of iPhone, and they love to point to the features that other people had first. The reality is all these companies are stealing from each other all the time. Mm-hmm. If you think your company is the one that's doing everything original and everyone else is cheating, you're missing the big picture. But this is an example where it's just unavoidable. It's right. it's it's like, uh And I don't know, do you think it's that they don't care? Do you think they're oblivious to that? How how or how do you do you just think that the business, the upside they perceive is outweighing that? I'm I'm just it's hard to understand for a company that I think at least historically has prided itself on saying no to a lot of things in order to, you know, even when it costs them money. I mean, not serving alcohol, for example. I mean, there's there's things that Disney has sort of stood on as principles, and it seems like it's hard to look at this ride and really reconcile that with anything of what we know of this company or at least the traditional version of this company. The benefit is it's in California, not Florida. I think this would be a more egregious. Sure. If it's 12 miles. If it was in Florida and I know that they can't legally do it in Florida, but uh, I mean, the comparison is still going to be there no matter what. But uh, the other interesting thing about this is if the upcharge accessories are successful, that sets a precedent that we're going to see in the future. And what form, I don't know, but we will absolutely see it in the future. So uh, I have a doubt in my mind. Let's just, if, if it's okay, let, let's raise the altitude a little bit and just talk about that as a concept instead of in this specific implementation. Um, I think I mentioned on the show before, Coca-Cola used to, I don't think they really do this anymore, which is kind of ironic in light of the climate. But one of the advertising 
thrust that Coke used to rely on was this idea that everybody drinks the same Coke. If you're a you know kid that has no money or the president of the richest company in the world and you get a Coke, it's the same thing. It's just it was this sort of uniting idea and also this sort of concept of egalitarianism where everybody gets the same thing. And Disney is just really, really doubling down on stratifying the experience to where your economic status is going to dramatically change yeah. the experience you have. And to to bring that, and I think Ben really already said this, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but to to me, this could be a, a distinction that's really weird and only in my head and doesn't make any sense. But there is something, I look at the wand thing as being, that is a different experience that you could choose to pay for. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about bringing that to a single attraction, you're really creating a different experience for the, like there's sort of a unity of people that ride a ride together, you know, and it sounds sort of silly, but you know, you wait in line next to people and sometimes conversations start up and you're all, you know, a roller coaster, you see it, you know, very dramatically, you scream together, you laugh together. It's the shared experience as a part of that, even if they're strangers. And increasingly, I think that driving an artificial wedge into that is really undermining some of the purity that comes that that delivers the thrill and the joy that people get from rides. So I think they're actually this sounds so first world, and I guess I apologize for that to some degree. But it seems like they're flirting with something that's really pure and sacred here, and it could really, really, really go badly. I think. Yeah, I, I did some research real quick to try to get us a price point. <clears throat> on these, I'm not seeing a price point on them, uh, but this is Disney, so they will probably be very cheap. Uh, that anybody can afford to get them. <laughs> ben is on uh, fire tonight. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in I, for comparison's sake, here, uh, you know, I, I I'm not a fan of something that you can go and purchase to give you a, an advantage. I guess on an attraction like this, as compared to like when I ride. Uh, Men in Black Alien Attack with somebody who is really good at the attraction because they've been on it a million times. They know where to shoot. They just are better at it than I am. But we're using the same guns. Mm-hmm, so right. I don't I don't feel bad that I come in there and I'm like 500,000 points below them because we had the same, adva- the same advantage going in there. Uh, we were on the right. same level. Uh, and to me, I wouldn't have a problem with that on this attraction to say if there was something connected to your My Disney Experience app that would recognize that you've been on this multiple times, that you've built up experience points, that at that point, you would be able to have maybe a higher advantage over people that are on the attraction, but not Mm. because you spent $100 on a power glove uh, to put on before you got on with everybody else. That's a good reference, buddy. That's a 1991 Nintendo (laughs) reference. You're Very welcome. impressive. I am, I'm on fire tonight, remember? So can, let's. Can, can I make a segue there go before you go, Tim? Yep. Uh, the, the video game tie in, I think, is unavoidable and important because. Well, right, yeah. I, I actually teach this in my in one of my business classes when we talk about pricing strategies. The video game industry really got shook up a few years ago by Fortnite. Because yep. prior to that. Do you uh, have colons in your lecture titles? Just out of no. curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> the only colon in this classroom is in my ass. Anyway. Um, you know, the business model for a long time was you you pay to win. You sell mm-hmm. guns and shields or, you know, whatever the context of the game warrants it being called. You're yep. basically selling an advantage. And that worked for a long time. And then Fortnite came along and it said, we're not going to do that. We're going to create gameplay that is equal for everyone. If you want to pay, you know, for a fancy little outfit you can wear or to do a dance when you are victorious over one of your enemies, you can do that. But we're going to keep the gameplay 
good by not spoiling it by having people in there that are ruining it for everyone else. And Fortnite was so successful that in a uh, shareholder meeting a couple of years ago, Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix, uh, some, one, some stock analyst said, what's your biggest competitor? And they, the, the answer that they expected was HBO or Fox or some other media company. Sure. And Reed was like, no, it's Fortnite. And because even though they are as traditionally defined in different industries, they're competing for the same people. And the, the remarkable thing that they did was that they elevated gameplay over everything else. And when I think of Disney rides, what I think of is, I mean, if you could raise Walt and all of the original Imagineers from the dead and you said, what's most important, they would tell you story, right? Would they not? Is there any of them that would not, that that would not be the answer they give? And now you're talking about something that, pardon my French, it fucks up the story. You're not even telling the same story to all the people in there. It's just, it is such a dramatic departure. Um, it's, it, it really strikes me as being tone deaf to the original uh, ideals of Imagineering. And man, I hope that that cooler heads prevail on this one. The study that you referenced there, uh, or really just the uh, the question and answer with Reed Hastings, is anybody that goes to business school hears similar stories um, where you ask your competition and it's not even in the same industry in your mind's right. eye. Um, yep. And I'm going to speak anecdotally here where I had the opportunity post-graduation, I was trying to get a job in baseball and I had the opportunity to shadow the general manager of the um, Tampa Bay Rays AAA team uh, in, in Durham. And I asked him what his competition was, you know, thinking that it was, he was going to say college uh, sports and things like that. And he said, no, movie theaters. We charge 12 bucks a tickets. And, you know, I need to be more entertaining than whatever movie is out that summer. And there it you really go. is true. And yep. you see that in any and every industry. Um, and it doesn't mean that there are exceptions where, you know, the competition for – uh, uh, for, for something like that is linear and is in the same group, but uh, a good business person recognizes that it is not all uh, in line there. So back to uh, Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be limited to just a single attraction, as I said. I think this very well may be a test for introducing additional upcharge things and they've been doing it they've been doing upcharges within within upcharge events but i think this can also be a proof of concept test for charging for fast pass uh more so than they have uh having that be a tiered experience as well and anything and everything they can do to uh uh, to milk this cash cow they will do uh there has been nothing i have seen by the Chapek administration that says that he will do anything uh, less than Iger from a oh, yeah. uh, selfish, uh, uh, not necessarily advantageous to the guest standpoint. So I say I would phrase it even worse than that. I think that this is harmful to the shareholders in the long term. Very well because could be, yeah. Even if you were just a pure capitalist shareholder theorist, I think they are screwing up. This is new Coke. They are yeah. taking the thing that worked and they're dicking around with it in a way that is going to create harm. And the problem is, and I think this is the scary thing about theme parks, is they're, they're not really like movies because they exist in the real world. And once you break them, 
you have to fix them. You can't yeah. just make a new movie and pretend that, you know, oh, well, we'll dust ourselves off. You've now got this thing there that exists, you know, in three dimensions, and you've got to figure out what to do with it. And I think the thing that we've learned is even when we've had administrations running that company that were more favorable to the theme park fan, it's still way, way harder to fix a problem than avoid a problem. And oh, what absolutely. I see is that, I mean, I'm looking at how old I am now. I'm looking at how much I drink, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to live long <laughs> enough to see repairs of the damage that they're doing now. This is We're at the point now where I'm probably not going to see the parks in a condition that I consider to be as good as I saw them 10 years ago, which is pretty sad. I do think that, at least in, in my opinion, in Florida, three of the four parks are going in a direction that I that I can appreciate uh, if Epcot wasn't being fucked up. So royally, I was going to, I was going to uh, ask you where Epcot is on that list. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I would be okay. Like if, if Epcot was going in a like new direction that we, you know, universally were praising, I don't think well, we would really have legitimate South complaints. is a direction. <laughs> uh, yes, it is going in a direction, but anyway, uh, not to, uh, to be Debbie Downer here because this, these are still things that we are obviously passionate about. Um, the, the question that I have that I, I don't know what they're going to view as a success for these accessories. Like, do they need to see yeah. 5% of guests, uh, get them? Is this anything more than a test? I mean, it can also, uh, the other comparison that I thought of was those glow of the show ears at Fantasmic. Yep. yep. I remember those where really you weren't benefiting the people that bought them. You were benefiting the people, people around you uh, behind you. But even then, like it didn't really work. Until uh, uh, <laughs> going to steal a COVID term, you you really need a herd immunity uh, equivalent yeah. level of. Uh, I think of critical adaptation. mass is, is the word that would <laughs> yes. work better there. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm using uh, a level of uh, market penetration in the seventy to eighty percent level, but that that's what you would have needed Wish in I order to at that level <laughs> to justify uh, those glow of the show ears. And ultimately they fizzled out. They weren't, uh, the market spoke yep. and there was, there was no interest there. Uh, the same could be true here. And I am anticipating because these, well, I don't know what form they're going to truly take. If you're getting a repulsor glove, uh, an Iron Man repulsor glove, and it, uh, mirrors, you know, a screen used, uh, uh, gloves from Iron Man, then yeah, maybe you do get people buying it. If there's a functional, but, but my question is this, what, what is the canonical experience of the attraction? There because, isn't any. And that's, the, that's a problem. <laughs> is it right? though? I mean, th- yeah. I yeah. mean, they've, they've decided that the Imagine, theme park- Okay. Disney built, I, I'm sorry for interrupting. I've had a couple of glasses of wine and I'm, I'm passionate <laughs> about this. So I'm going to interrupt you. If you went to a movie, which is Disney's, that is the provenance from where all of this came. Right? Remember movie theaters? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt this anal- analogy to tell you a joke. You're there interrupting is, yourself, by the way. I know. It, it's, <laughs> I have nothing against blonde women, but this is a blonde joke. And the blonde God. joke, I was a pilot. Edit, and the joke, what's the edit, Mark? Time is 59.45. We're going to keep this in. We're right at, right at the one hour mark. I'm just sharing with you a joke that I've heard. I'm not condoning the, uh, the misogynistic <laughs> viewpoints that might be embodied within the notion that it's funny. But the joke is this. There's an airliner. A woman comes up from, from coach to the first class cabin. It says, goes Honey, to the don't flight, forget flight the attendant. Don't you love says, when people ruin your jokes? 
and the, and the woman says, I want to sit in first class. Oh, okay. And the, and the flight attendant says, no, you can't. You didn't buy a first class ticket. And she says, I want to sit in first class. I'm beautiful. I've got big breasts. Everyone loves me. I want to sit in first class. The flight attendant says, no, you can't. And this goes back and forth. And finally, the flight attendant looks at the woman and says, ma'am, you're going to Phoenix and first class is going to Philadelphia. And she sits back down. And the thing that would make that joke funny, if it were, is this idea that this thing that is supposed to be a unified experience is somehow drastically different for different people that are on it. It would be insane if that happened with a movie. And to me, it's equally as offensive if it happens with a ride. We're all supposed to be waiting in line for this thing. And I just don't see how creating a differentiated experience based on how much you're willing to pay does anything other than to undermine the fact that there's actually a, a actual discrete storyline that's attempted to be told there. Why don't we why don't we do screen-based attractions and if your median income is under $50,000 you see it in standard definition if it's between <laughs> 51,000 and 99,000 you see it in HD and if it's above 100,000 you can see it in 4K. Why not why? just do it like that? Like at what point do Josh, we say Josh, you realize Chapik is listening and he's writing these notes down. <laughs> so, get the, there's a straight shooter with a management written all over him. <laughs> why why didn't Josh's uh, blonde joke end with the punchline fuck you clown? <laughs> That's funny because it wasn't for it was forty five minutes too short for that. <laughs> why don't we uh, Why don't we move away from this? And, I, I, I just want. Can I say nope, one I've thing real away. quick? Please, okay, no, fine. stop. Uh, <laughs> you phrase this a question. Ben and I have said no. <laughs> I, I I find it humorous how many times Disney has tried to create their Harry Potter ones, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, They're going to keep on doing they, it until they, they find one. They can't find something that universe. I mean, that's that's my favorite thing with all this is. But Universal, Universal envy found, is not a good look, though. Well, no. Universal found something that worked, and guess what? They don't have ten other sixty dollar interactive deals that you have to buy for your experience <laughs> that day. Like, hey, just come in here and buy one one. I, I do face this, you know, with two girls who want these things, and you know, we, we've had this talk already. Uh, obviously, the Spider Man deals are not available yet, but it's between like, I want a lightsaber. When will Spider Man's deal be available? Uh, the Disney way would be like. Oh, the wand is fifty dollars, but if you want a magic wand, yeah, you know, well, they, they, they've they, got. <laughs> they, they can keep creating all these things, but uh, you know, at the, especially at the price points that they're going with, you know, I have to tell my girls, you get one of them, and yeah. you know, the two hundred dollar lightsabers are off the table. Uh, we're not doing, we're not paying four hundred bucks for two lightsabers. That's not happening. Uh, you know, between the droids that you can, I'm going to convince the, your the, girls the, to do that. Don't and do then it. You're I not talk- just- Nope. You're not allowed to talk to my yeah, girls. I, I don't get it. I mean, at least on paper, like I'm affluent compared to average. I can't afford this shit, and that's just me and my wife. <laughs> Damn it, Baxter! But, you know, but even Spanish. Universal has the price point figured out. Where, like, yes, I I was able to say, okay, two sixty dollars ones. I get it. Like for one hundred twenty bucks, it's way overpriced for what they're getting there, but it's not. You ben, know, they are two, magic wands. I don't know they what are you magic expect. Wands. <laughs> <laughs> I got one but from Hitachi, it, and I will tell you, it is pretty amazing. That's a different oh, wow. type, actually. That's it's not screen <laughs> used. You don't take that. Well, it to is the park. actually no. It is screen used, just not no, the same type. <laughs> it makes my nose itch. Hey, hey. Uh, but yeah, no. I just find it humorous that is here's another new attraction, and we're trying. They're still trying to find their their magic wands because nothing that they've put out there yet has hit that. It's the same that we, they're still trying to find their butter beer. They haven't been able to find their butter beer that yep. that. Uh, has hit you know with the, with the Disney fan base the way that Universal has created a couple things that have just been hey, home Disney, runs. It's yep. beer. <laughs> What's it? This it's this has been going beer. on for forever. I mean, 
I don't know if you guys have been listening to uh, the last few Jim and Len shows about how how frustrated uh, executives dealing with creatives have been. And with uh, with with Iger and now Chapek, we've basically had 16 to 17 years of non-creative executives that by all accounts, they are good executives. We can't take that away, but they're they're held to theme park fans. And when when they see something that's successful, the only creative bone in their body says, try to find a way to copy it. Try to find a way to replicate it in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I referenced the latest series of Jim and Len shows because he, they were talking about ABC executives wanting them to just keep on making Davy Crockett over and over again. And yeah. it just it doesn't work. Eventually, you get fatigue on things like that. So um, why don't we move away from these things and talk about uh, uh, my crashing Ben's family trip. Davy but- Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Ben, you've got your family trip coming up, and I was nice enough to uh, to crash it. But why don't you tell me about uh, your trip planning, and then I can kind of interject uh, when I have stopped listening to you with the more important things, my side of things. So uh, why don't you go ahead? Uh, so we started by calling up kayak.com okay. and looking up... <laughs> Did you go to the will, domestic site or the international site? That joke will never get old. I absolutely love it. <laughs> We, then we realized we're not going to Japan, so Wait, we... Are you bringing uh, your own pillows? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and are those pillows made out of rice? <laughs> Checking to see if uh, Japanese baseball season's in play, which games are you going to go to. Yep. Uh, no, well, my, my family gets there about three hours before I do uh, at the end of July, so I'm hoping somewhere in that three-hour window I lose them for a week and uh, do whatever I want to do uh, for 10 days while uh, we'll meet back up uh, before we fly back here. Okay. Uh, now we're we're heading out for uh, yeah about a ten day trip. Uh, gonna do Disney the entire time. Uh, we actually will be there for eleven days, which has been a fun uh, deal trying to figure out our park tickets because uh, if you're following along at home right now, they don't sell annual passes and they don't sell anything more than a ten day ticket. So uh, if you're going to the parks for ten days and you want an eleventh day, you're paying full price for a one day park admission uh, for that eleventh day. So to that we said, Can nope. We just pause What's a ten day pass uh, setting you back these days? I would. Uh, I I'm think for the six fifty to seven. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say for the four of us after taxes, I think it was like twenty nine hundred dollars <laughs> somewhere somewhere around that. Some <laughs> stupid stupid. Number. So that's uh, the park hopper, I assume. That is so, yeah, you're park hopper, like- and we added the water parks on. So instead, of, for, for a well, nominal, your eleventh day. Well, yeah, that so it's for it was like for sixty dollars more, you could add the water parks on for for like ten days worth of water park uh, admissions during during your stay. So as opposed to us spending, you know, you know, two hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars per ticket more for another park day, we did that. And so yes, for middle of the trip, we'll go to. Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach for a day, and that'll that'll get us our eleventh day in the parks. So, uh, but the reason we do this, and, and I know I've talked about it before, is we typically do buy an annual pass uh, with us being DVC members, and we work in two trips uh, in one calendar year under yep. that annual pass. So normally I don't mind spending that much money uh, for, for APs knowing I don't have to pay for it again next summer. Do but you normally I've, renew or do you like have the gap and then we gap it? Again? Yeah. Yeah, but, it but, but we're also be, because of DVC and again in the past there was a DVC rate that was just 
you sure. know, is a, is a reasonable price. Who knows if that actually comes back, you know, based on everything else they're taking away. That That's probably one thing that'll be gone as well. Uh, but I know it's a big deal with all the DVCs right now, trying to figure out how they're going to plan their trips, especially if they're not offering us uh, annual passes. It, it does make things a lot tougher for people who plan multiple trips a year uh, to go out there. So that was the first big hurdle we had to figure out and, and get settled. Uh, the one thing that we did do, though, we, we are typically – uh, we're, we're old Key West is our home resort. And in the middle of the summer, that's pretty much there or Saratoga Springs is the only availability that we actually can get into. But, uh, with people not planning trips, uh, as much this summer, at least they weren't, when we were planning ours, we were able to get into boardwalk. So, uh, we love boardwalk. We, we, uh, very excited that we'll get to spend our 10 days, uh, there being close to Epcot, getting uh, to use the, uh, the Disney Skyliner. Hopefully we don't die on it uh, <laughs> since we'll be able to walk uh, just over to that that area. Yeah, but Statistically speaking, you're almost certainly just going to be maimed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As long as, that, as long as I can, you know. Yeah, you'll be fine. Don't Are worry. Are you allergic to glass shards? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, from that point on, you know, we, we, we've made our park reservations uh, and, and we're ready to go. We're going to hit uh, Hollywood Studios as many times as we can uh, to, to, you know, give us the best opportunity to uh, actually snag some boarding passes for Rise of the Resistance. And honestly, it's not something I've been tracking lately. Every time we got up to do it at 7 a.m. from our resort back in November, uh, we were able to get them. So for, for I think we did it two days or two or three days, we, we at least started our mornings there to ride Rise and then moved on to another park. Uh, but we were able to get them from our rooms. I'm not sure how tough it's been lately. I don't know, Tim, if this is something that you've been looking at, because I know uh, this is priority number one uh, on your yeah, trip is, is getting on there. So, um, you know, if you want to come cuddle in bed with us each morning over at Boardwalk, I don't know if that makes a difference. Uh, it seemed it seemed to, you know, I, I know we talked about on the show, it seemed like uh, if you ha- were staying at a nicer resort, maybe you had higher priority within the system to actually snag uh, those passes. Who knows if there's any truth to that, but we, uh, we, we had zero problems getting it last time and we're hoping that translates over uh, this time as well. The numbers that I've seen have been relatively consistent since reopening, where uh, within 7 to around 11 seconds for that 7 a.m. booking is when all of them are booked up. Uh, And then a little bit longer, probably like 8 to 12 seconds for the availability at the 1 p.m. What I would suggest, make love while you're doing that next time. It will make the apparent length of the window much longer. What, twice? Exactly. (laughs) I've got us four fast passes. (laughs) Uh, and actually, uh, privately, Ben and I went back and forth and decided it was probably best so that neither one of us F it up for the other, <laughs> that we are we are not friends on my Disney experience uh, when we're down there, simply because uh, if it auto- automatically adds one of us to the other's group, it could potentially screw it up. So yeah. I'd rather not mess up his family. And I'm sure he – well, he probably doesn't care about me. But I, I certainly don't want to mess up the uh, experience for his family and make any uh, any – booking of it uh, entirely his yeah, fault we'll, if he doesn't get it. We'll hope we'll get windows that are similar in time, maybe, and uh, then can just enter the queue at the same time together. I, that's yeah. one thing I do wonder about as well. If, if we both were able to snag uh, boarding passes in the morning, would would there be any way that they could uh, accommodate to in our in our groups were far enough apart that we yeah. wouldn't be able to get to do it. I wonder if there is any accommodation that they would do. Uh, My understanding is that they have been flexible. I okay. haven't seen any official policy, but it might be an unofficial policy for that reason, well, where you've got people grouping that are not necessarily connected Lisa, uh, groups. Lisa and Marie 
are both not named Karen, so you have to consider that. <laughs> um, I did say at the outset, my goal is to not make Ben's daughter daughters or wife cry, but Ben, you are fair game. So whatever. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. That's why we only have one day on the books together. Yeah. yeah. But uh, to, to your point, are you starting like every day at Hollywood Studios in an attempt to get um, boarding groups for, uh, for Rise of the Resistance or no? No, not currently. I think we have four or five days starting there. Okay. Uh, so not again, we d- we've done it multiple times already. So it's not like yeah. it's a make or break. The last time we went, yes, we went in with that same mindset. That you are, it's like, get as many days on the books to give yeah. us the best chance of doing it. Uh, you know? Yeah. I think I will be disappointed if I only get to do it one time. I want to do it a few times, uh, while we're there. So, uh, you know, hopefully we, we, do that, but it that's you know, we still like our mornings at the Magic Kingdom. We like our mornings uh you know over at Animal Kingdom. Get the stuff done out of the way in the early and then get over to another park. Uh you know, Epcot opens at eleven, so it's almost a waste to start your morning right, right. at Epcot if you have a park hopper. If any day you want to do Epcot, and that's that's the plan that we're actually doing, you might as well put Hollywood Studio down uh as your start for that day, go over there for a few things and then get over to Epcot. Uh, you know, around noon and start, you know, get your full day in there. It's not like you're, it, it, it's, I think you'll notice that too, is that it's, it's pretty interesting with the way the, the staggered opens and staggering closes are going on right now that uh, it, it does definitely change what you're doing and how you make your reservations per park uh, on those days. So you threw it out there that you've got 11 park days planned. Talking uh, ahead to a family trip, this is actually just going to be me solo, um, but the first trip that we take our daughter, we were discussing doing a longer trip but having a day off in between to kind of give her and us a break. Uh, have you ever done that in any of your family trips where you have like, you know, maybe four or five days on, a day off, and then another few days after that? No, we've never done an official planned day off. We tend mm-hmm. to plan for the parks the whole time, but the difference here for us uh, and this is the way Lisa looks at it. Um, the longer we have planned for the parks, the the easier we take it in the parks. We That's don't good. feel like we have to rush as much as a like seven day trip. We're like, oh my god, we gotta get everything in. When you start doing ten, eleven days, yeah, we still go to the parks every day. But when six o'clock rolls around and one of us goes, let's go to Disney Springs. Let's go get let's go get ice cream at Ghirardelli. Let's leave the park. We're not like, well, we can't because this is our last day and we haven't done this, 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 and this. It makes those it makes every day a lot more laid back to where you can leave. You you have no problem, you know, going breaking them up in the middle of the day and going swimming for a little bit. Uh Lisa will take kind of a, a day off if we allow her to, whereas the girls and I will will go a little bit more hardcore. Uh they're they're built much more like I am uh when it comes <laughs> to the parks. But even at that point, we don't mind her going back to the room and relaxing for a little bit because we know we have plenty of time. We're not missing out on, uh, you know, valuable short spurts of time that that we want to spend in the parks with her or doing stuff as a family. When you're there that long, it does allow you to like like our day in the middle where we're going to go to the water park during the day. And at night, you know, I think that's the girls love Planet Hollywood. So that's that's our designated go to the parks in the morning, middle of the day. Let's go shopping for a little bit and go to Planet Hollywood that night for dinner uh, with no thought of going to any of the, you know, the four parks themselves at all. So that's kind of how we approach those longer trips is the, the, the longer it is, we don't we don't give up days in the park, but we also make those days a, a little bit easier going. Historically, the Grassy family, when we do bigger trips, and uh, now we could potentially roll 10 deep, but 
I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, every minute seemingly counts in the park. Uh, yeah. Once we're in there, we, we stay there or we hop to another park. But I think that as my parents get older and as the needs of somebody under two dictate that uh, perhaps scheduling that that break is probably going to be necessary for my family. I think you might find it interesting because, again, everybody always talks about in those days, get back to the resort for the baby to take a nap, do this and that <laughs> when you have one that young. We, we thought the same thing. We also found just take a good stroller. And when they want to yeah. fall asleep, let them fall asleep. And while they're sleeping, if it means, you know, five of you in the group get to go ride Big Thunder while one or two of you sit exactly. at Pecos Bills with the kid while they sleep, just do that. And when they wake up, they're ready to go. And you haven't had to spend any time going back to your resort, getting settled in your room, you know, getting getting everything ready to go back out. Uh, you can also look at it that way. That's what we ended up always doing was just having a really nice stroller with us. And when they were ready to sleep, just let them sleep, find a nice cool spot and, and just park for a little while. And, you know, you, you find that you enjoy that time too. Cause it is, a, it's a lot tougher going with a toddler to the parks. You are, you, you, you get worn out as well. So, uh, but that's yeah, how we yeah. always handled it was we, we, I think the first time we went, we were thinking we would take midday breaks and that just never happened. And we, we found that we actually never needed to do, actually do it. Where we've done it. Uh, uh, and <laughs> I've just kind of, continued wandering around the parks but when marie and i have gone to disneyland together uh she'll take a midday break on some days if it's you know if it's too hot and go back to the uh hotel and just kind of relax for a little bit and yep. join me uh for for a little bit and there's you know no harm no foul i think there's a mentality that unfortunately some of us crazy disney fans get and i am absolutely guilty of this where you you want to have all of those shared experiences but you need to realize that it's not uh, that you don't have to have all of that. You can sacrifice some of it. And I'll even go back to um, last time Josh and I were in the parks together where I knew that I had a certain agenda and it was less important to uh, to Josh and Gary. I wanted to make sure that I saw Illuminations as many times as I was down there before it went away. And Josh and Gary were less uh, concerned about that. So well, I, in our defense, we didn't know it was coming next. <laughs> well, fair, fair, fair enough. You still bought the shirt. And yeah, I'd, the, I'd, uh, I'd have called Grandma more if I knew she was dying tomorrow. <laughs> and but, to be I mean, fair, the, the you, point you, is still there, though. Yes, you weren't no, in any I've, hurry to get back to the couch that you and Josh were sleeping on. Also uh, true. <laughs> God, we fit so nice on that, though. Head, it's like two feet. Lego pieces. Yeah. I did appreciate that you let me be Big Spoon once. But anyway. <laughs> so, back remember to, that time we were both the Big Spoon? <laughs> I'll never little, forget. Pepper Charm remembers. <laughs> Back to July, though. Uh, we kind of touched on this um, offline. Some things that were the eye openers here. If I'm there for a week, I can get a rental car, usually around 200 bucks, give or take sometimes as much as 50 bucks. Uh, that is not the case right now. Nope. And Ben, with, uh, with a family of four, you probably have uh, even more costly uh, endeavors. What are you running for a rental car right now? I think we're right around a thousand dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, yep. it's insane. It's crazy, and and we are paying up a little bit because the uh, I'm uh, hopefully I don't know if you guys have seen it. I know a lot of have on Twitter the the line the pictures and the video of the rental car line at MCO is insane right now, and it typically is with the lower budgeted rental car places. Uh, that just don't have the inventory and they don't have the people to people to, to run people through and get their cars. So you so, run a Lamborghini. 
Oh, it, I mean, some of the videos of just two and three hour waits and this line oh my you know, God. erupting in Ugh. applause when somebody yeah. finally gets to walk away from the counter uh, to go outside to get their car is Ugh. humorous and a horror movie. Uh, so I'm reference, def- you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to keep the reservation. <laughs> yeah. So I am very fearful of that, to be honest with you, to the point that I'm like, almost like, do we just cancel the car and figure out how to handle this on our own but also the how, magical I mean, express it, lines have been terrible how, as well so how long is the drive i mean at some point you're you're uh you know About fighting against minutes. the clock yeah you're you're a hundred what about a hundred little over 100 bucks each way on a on a uber uh no no you misunderstood my question how, how oh. far would it such a drive from your fucking house to the park <laughs> true uh it's a it's a good 24 hour, 24 hour drive for us so 24 no. hours yep. what part of hawaii are you currently residing in it's uh it's a it's a trek 24 hours. Hang on. I've got to check. With, I've uh, done the drive oh, twice. The, uh, the sexism yep. to jump in here. He will be driving with uh, three women with uh, four different bladders. Uh, so you've got that added component. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he, that's all you had to say. Yep. But you, even then, you, like coming from Massachusetts, 24 hours is, is pushing it if you want to do it comfortably. It's doable in, in less than that, but so you're just going from a different direction. I was going to say, it's like six hours for me to get out of Texas. So. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I've got four days and my rental car is over $400 and I actually booked it at a good time. It's gone up since then. But what I've also eyeballed, Ben, and I'll put this out there to anybody, that uh, usually you start to see a price break about 60 days out. What I've seen recently is it's more 30 days out and I would anticipate that that isn't going to happen this time around because the, infrastructure, the, uh, uh, the inventory of cars isn't there. Uh, but beyond that, you're going to see more and more people booking now um, as people become more comfortable with traveling. So I think they're only going to go up, and whatever price you locked in is probably going to be what you're going to get. I hope I'm wrong, but it seems to be the case. What part of Tejas are you in? Uh, I'm in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay, that's 15 hours direct drive. <laughs> Again, with stops and, you know... How you long does it take up the pee? You got you got you got to stop in New Orleans for a little while. And true. It depends on how many how many hurricanes That's just you good have. Planning. So, yeah, see, apparently, yeah. I drive differently than you. I, I, this Pro- is probably. I I attribute this all back to the vasectomy because to me, when MapQuest <laughs> says it's a fifteen and a half hour drive, that actually equates to about a twelve and a half hour drive. So speaking so of I, age, MapQuest really. Well, it's actually what, what it is. Here. When I say yeah, when I say twenty four, I guess I mean it's it, it's going to take me a day to get out there. I got to plan okay. a day yeah. on the front end and the back end, and there's going to be yeah. a stop overnight somewhere. We're not going to drive fifteen hours straight with two kids. It just doesn't. That's not how we're gonna we're gonna line it. So I've got to plan an extra day on the front end, an extra day on the back end to to make. I that. guess what I'm saying is this: for I think for a thousand dollar car rental that I had to wait three hours in line to get, I would rather drive and have my trip be two days longer and be in my own car. Maybe, but I can only listen to the same Taylor Swift album uh, like ten times in a row. So I, I'll pay the extra, like you know, what do you go with fifty on each? I mean, I yeah. haven't heard of any Taylor that, Swift albums. That, that right there is the strongest <laughs> argument you could have gone with, Ben. I, yeah, I'll, I, pay, I'll pay the four fifty on each side to get me a rental car. Uh, the prosecution concedes. <laughs> so I, uh, you, what were your, what are the dates for yours in case anybody wants to stalk us for, uh, uh, for the days that you're there? Uh, we're end of June. It's just 20, 22nd, somewhere around there for 10 days. So. Congratulations on becoming lampshades. You too. 
Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, I've got four days that overlap with the. Uh, I want to know how you got four days by with yourself a with a toddler. Uh, so this was actually something that I had uh, planned ahead of my daughter being born uh, to go last summer, and uh, my wife was on board with it. For in in that case, it was like three days with. I, it was going to be just a weekend where I was flying out on a Friday night, flying in a Monday morning. Uh, but now that she's in daycare, really the coverage is, yes, it's going to be a lot uh, to ask of my wife. So I'm going to have to do a couple of get out of jail free uh, uh, <laughs> niceties to her. But in, if she wasn't in daycare, I think this would be a uh, a much harder sell. But um, I think everybody at this point uh, in the grassy family has been a bit stir crazy. And I think she understands that the, uh, the need to do something other than, uh, go to work and go home, uh, after the last year and a half is, uh, is, is an idea. And I've been pushing to try to get her to go with me, but she, uh, she wants no part of Florida in July. So for me, uh, I've got, I arrive early on, I think the 27th and I leave midday on the 31st. Ben and I have already talked about a couple of ideas we have for some show content that we'll uh, that we'll record, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I haven't been since October of 2019, so this is uh, the longest in my life that I have gone without going to Disney World. That content includes wow, the uh, blue. That includes the blue milk chugging challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll time it, and you can go first. There's two things that I don't like: blue food and milk. <laughs> So, I don't know. Do you have any other ideas or comments on your trip planning, Ben? I'm just ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. I need a, we need a little break. We need to. If you got the uh, car now, you'd be there by lunch tomorrow. That's true. That's true. Uh, we are going to see how many times we can go to Chicken Guy uh, in an 11 day trip. That's a, that's a challenge my daughter uh, <laughs> wants to make. She absolutely loves that place. So, uh, and you said you haven't been there before. So, I. I yeah, definitely I, I recommend getting over there one night. Yep. I think we have a uh, a bet that needs to be paid off too. So uh, uh, I might drive and, down there for that actually. And you, you can uh, you can pay off all the Bergens too. No, nah, I say, I say <laughs> I'll pay mine after Derek pays his. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to see any of this shit. Nope. Uh, anyway, not. Uh, why don't we move over to listener questions? We teased one last episode, and I'm going to get into it now. Uh, this uh, comes to us from McClintock from Bruce <laughs> McClintock. Uh, subject is Waldorf. They ain't half bad. Statler, nope, they're all bad. Hey guys, thank you for the uploads. No math this time, but Ben will still be mad at me. It's time to close Muppets 3D. Having yeah. Muppets between Star Tours and Galaxy's Edge just feels weird. It needs to go. This is what should happen. The Muppets area becomes a Star Wars expansion pad. Galaxy's Edge is great as an immersive experience, but it is missing iconic characters, locations, and even music. Merge the old Muppets area with, a star- with Star Tours to create a new land free from the Galaxy's Edge timeline. Maybe theme it as a futuristic museum of Star Wars history. You have room to add at least one sea ticket attraction. Next, retheme the area across from Indiana Jones as Muppets. Put an outdated, uh, put an outdated, put an updated Muppet 3D in the Frozen Theater and a brand new attraction next door. Pizza Rizzo replaces the ABC commissary or not? Uh, you lost me there because there's no reason to move Pizza Rizzo anywhere. Uh, ben, you get to come up with a new Muppet attraction. Josh and Tim, you get the Star Wars land and attraction. So uh, why don't we uh, kick it off, Ben? Uh, have you uh, come up with your uh, 600 million dollar Muppets attraction? <laughs> no. I haven't. Uh, Kermit declares <laughs> Chapter Seven. 
was going to say, I did, I've, I tried to bang my head on this and couldn't really come up with a great idea because one, it's a pretty small footprint. I think I'm, I'm limited if I have to put Muppet Vision in the Frozen sing-along section, uh, based on what I could do outside of that. There's just not much of a, a footprint to do anything real cool. The other problem is, and I can't believe I'm saying this and I hate that I'm saying it, is like, I don't know what you could do an attraction around for Muppets that's relevant. Oh my god, a- I can't believe you're fucking this up so badly. Really? <laughs> Josh, would you like to come up with a Muppets idea? I just yeah, had. I, I only had one when I heard ben, what what Ben said. I I, ha, I I think this. I would love to do a dark ride over here. I would so love. You, I think. Can I tell you ahead. how you solve this problem? Go for it. You go into Ben's attraction. The host tells you how it's not going to be a good traction because it's spaced con, space constrained. Constrained. Then the doozers come out. Fraggle Rock tie-in. Also Jim Henson. <laughs> and you go down. You solve the space problem with depth, and you make it a Fraggle Rock tie-in. This would be great if Florida didn't have a three-foot water table. <laughs> well, everyone likes a water ride. <laughs> we do need uh, water rides in, the, in Hollywood Studios. Hydrolators. I feel like these are all solved problems. You guys well, are just big th- negative delis. So I, I do have a couple ideas that okay, are terrible. Um, You're selling I, it really well. Yeah. I would love a dark ride, and my, one of the ideas was if, if – Muppet Vision 3D was uh, still going to be there in the frozen area. I would do, I would like to do a dark ride built around like what happens behind the scenes of the Muppet show. If the Muppet show was relevant enough to still do that. That's the thing that I always remembered growing up as a kid, watching the Muppet show and the funniest parts to me were the behind the scenes, the backstage Agreed. stuff. Didn't the they mayhem. try that as a sitcom and it didn't work? It's, it was uh, like, a, no, you can't they do that like on the television. Op- it was the same, same way. It was yeah, kind of like did. Dirty Rock, but yeah. Yeah, they did yeah. it like The Office, where yeah, where it wasn't really, it wasn't the mayhem of the show that you see in front of you. So I think you could build something, the two of them together, to where one, you still have the 3D show because I think you still have to have that. I am still a believer that the the value of the, having the last known film that you know Jim Henson uh, made, participated in, had it had his uh, fingerprint on. I don't want to just give that up. So I don't want to come up with a new 3D movie or a new new show to show in there. I think the historical value of that is worth saving if they, at, at if all If they costs. demo that theater, that show isn't coming back. Let's, let's call not, it what it is. It's that's, not- that's the sad part. Uh, so, But I think... Uh, uh, if, if 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 it's not a dark ride built about what goes on behind the scenes to make the Muppet Show happen, uh, I think any kind of dark ride would work there. That that is built around these characters, just because I think the Muppets lend themselves to be really cool audio animatronics. Yeah, and so I would like to see something that takes you through that world, and you have just a ton of audio animatronic Muppets in and around you. Uh, the other idea that I had, this is again. I would love it because I'm a huge Muppets fan. I grew up on the show. I, I love it. I, and this is one of my favorite things in the pre-show area of uh, Muppet Vision currently. But because that footprint is so small, I was almost thinking that you could do something that was similar to the uh, Flight to the Moon, mm. you know, old alien encounter, Stitch's Great Escape Theater that has a small footprint for, for what's going on there, but do it something around uh, pigs in space. Okay. and So kind of uh, have it be like somewhat – themed towards the area that it's next to. Correct. So yeah. it's like their their take on space and Star Wars science fiction. But again, what what young kid or anybody you know that's not our age or above knows what pigs in space is. That's that yeah. really makes me depressed. Oh, that was so uh, good. 
it was so fantastic. So, you know, it's just not relevant to do a pigs in space attraction, you know, in that area. So I think you're really limited, unfortunately, on what you can and can't do with the Muppets right now. I still think they're great. The, 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 the always long rumored Muppets great movie ride where everything just goes wrong as you're going through, uh, like their take of the great yeah. movie ride is still one of my, f- it's probably my favorite unbuilt Disney attraction ever. I, I love cool that. Concept. I love the artwork that's leaked out over that thing over the years that it's just a fantastic idea. So the big part of me would, would want that. Now, the the thing that you said as a joke here a minute ago is actually something I thought. And you, I think you could do it if you demoed Muppet Vision and rebuilt a Muppet attraction on that spot. But that's not the uh, the the scenario McClintcock uh, gave me here. That he, he he pushed me to the side. But I do think you could do... I don't do, believe that's correct. It's not right? I missed, no. I let the letter out. It's McClintcock. Um, uh, I thought you could do a, a, a water attraction over here that almost went back to Kermit's roots. Like we've seen the Hollywood side of Kermit. We've seen the movies. Let's go back to the swamp and Kermit. interact with Kermit, Frogger. young Kermit. For, yeah. And so maybe you can't do a log flume. I don't think because it's essentially the same thing they're going to do with the uh, makeover of uh, uh, Splash Mountain Splash, with man. Tiana and do, do the swamp and everything. But I thought you could do something that was vertical enough that had a big drop at the end that the as you looked at it facing forward, you saw all Muppets. But the backside of the mountain, you could do and build it up and theme it as an Outer Banks mountain for Batu, And okay. so the verticalness of it could blend in with what you would Smart. see from Batu, Kind of uh, like what they the did in California side. for the cars yep. and the Pixar Pier area. Yep. So, so that, that was kind of my idea. If we were to do something in that spot, I do think that a park could use a water ride. I also think they could use a, you know, Omni Mover style uh, dark ride, you know, maybe even somewhere on the lines of what Universal Hollywood did with the, what I think is a fantastic looking Secret Life of Pets attraction. Uh, the, I, I love what they did with Runaway Railway and some of the other stuff that's going in for the younger crowd, but I still think they could use one or two things that is for a younger audience. And the Muppets are a great IP to do something around uh, that. So it's it's just depending if you'd have the space to do something. Uh, I still like my Pigs in Space is my favorite idea from it, but there's just no, like it's not one. relevant enough at all to do uh, their funny version of a can't the you moon make attraction. it relevant? This is the thing that I keep fighting with with the whole I would hope so. God thing. Is like why does the why does the first thing have to be the movie that's then followed on with a theme park, yep. park attraction? Why can't you create a theme park attraction that's compelling enough to drive a movie franchise? I've seen it done. Johnny Depp is really happy that this is a thing. Like, you know, I don't, I just think that a good story is a good story and that we don't have to constrain ourselves this way. Yep. Not because to say that the next AAA Disney's, title is going to be Pixar Space, but <laughs> because if anybody had Disney's library of IP, they would be using it too. And <laughs> Disney should be doing exactly what everybody should think they should be doing. Disney colon a library yes. you can make rides out of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I especially like the the uh, the pigs in space idea because I think as a transitional concept, I think that works very well. Yeah, you don't need a big spot for that theater. I, I did the Google Maps for where, you know, you don't have anywhere. Even uh, the Little Mermaid uh, Ariel's Undersea Adventure attraction is kind of a two-story uh, dark ride where they built kind of on top yeah. of itself. But based on where the footprint that I have, you know, you only have even like half the size of that show building to, to work something with. So it's not much space, but... 
And that's a pretty substantial ride from a length standpoint. It is. Yeah. But they even got creative on how they laid that out to to kind of yeah, maximize its space. And, and you're dealing with something that's even smaller than that. So I think you'd have to go with some kind of theater attraction here. Uh, and and why not Pigs in Space? Let's do it. Josh, like when you looked at the map, did you find more space on MapQuest relative to Google Maps? <laughs> yes, because Map it was just, things were no, roomier in the 90s. No, Josh did. <laughs> I, I heard it come out of my mouth, and I was just hoping that you didn't catch it. No nope. such luck. <laughs> Nothing gets over my head. My reflexes are too fast. Uh, Josh, like did, you have, ninja. did you have ideas for repurposing the area or uh, adjacent to Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, so this was a tough one for me. I, I agree with, with the sentiment that it's it's a little bit out of place right now, being the Muppets attraction. Yeah, it is. Um I mean, there's there's no real denying that. The, the, the truth is, although I do appreciate Star Wars, um, I think those films came out... Well, the first one came out when I was basically a baby. And then the second and third, I think, was the time when Mommy and Daddy were fighting. But whatever the explanation might be, I didn't really see them as a kid. So I don't have a nostalgic connection to them. In fact, the first time I actually watched them was about five years ago. So I don't have... They're just not a part of like what I know a lot about or have a strong connection to. So I'm not a good person to really like have interesting ideas as to how this should be played out. But the one idea I came up with was this. And uh, forgive me if this is misplaced, because again, I'm, I'm acknowledging my ignorance of, of the real canon of the story Mine of Star Wars. Mine is going Wars. to have a similar caveat, so go ahead. Okay, well, it makes me feel better. Uh, the one thing that I've heard a lot of people say is that they have some like either objections to or questions about the time and place where galaxy's edge is set. Yep. So what I thought would be a possibility would be to put a dark ride. Again, we have a very constrained space here. So there's, you almost have to put an asterisk on this as maybe it just can't be done, but if you could build a dark ride there, dark rides are really good at telling stories. So if, since this is in a transitional space, if you could use, if you could put in a traditional storytelling attraction in order simply to set the stage, like the forward of a book, it doesn't necessarily have to be long. It doesn't have to be super complicated, but just do something to set people up for what it is that they're about to see. And I think you can make some assumptions that most, for, for guests who've never seen any of the films, who cares, right? They don't really need it. Whatever Are you, you think like a Star Wars 101 attraction? Is that like your thought yeah, process? Ex- okay. Exactly. Like, like, why are we here? Why? Because Imagineering had 42. to have a, yeah, exactly. I appreciate the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as much as the next guy. Um, you know, they had to make a decision as to what time and place they were going to set this in. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of, I would say, even if someone has seen the films twice. Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reject that premise. <laughs> okay. that, but, yes. you, you, but they you did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, somehow they came up with this. And it yes. does seem that among the people who are most passionate about the franchise – there's some question as to why. So maybe the opportunity here is to basically to answer that question. Okay. So uh, to, to that point that I I don't think I'm really shitting on it because I don't think you disagree with me um, about locking it into a specific time and place. Um, they made a choice. I think by, by all accounts, that choice hamstrings them. And to the extent that they can distance themselves from that choice, they should. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was basically choosing uh, a timeline that's roughly episode eight 
and uh, plot points from Solo, which have been amongst the most divisive Star Wars movies yeah. since the prequels. So you have those two things that are a little bit of knocks against the land. Now, setting that aside, Rise of the Resistance, we talked about you know 45 minutes ago, is right now the attraction at Disney World. It's what everybody wants to experience. The hoops and hurdles that you have to uh, go through and jump over to experience it have been, by all accounts, worth it for anybody that experiences the attraction. And that attraction is also set in that same timeline, but it uh, overcomes the uh, restrictions of that timeline because it's just so well executed. Um, You can argue that Smuggler's Run hits uh, against some problems because of the timeline. But the good thing is the land itself doesn't have to be set in that timeline. And I think as long as they accept that um, and a new uh, a new film for Smuggler's Run will also help cement that we don't have to be locked into a, sing- a singular timeline, you don't really have to hold true to it. Uh, there's a couple of other story beats and environmental beats like you have uh, Kylo's ship uh, visible all of that not really the end of the world to 95% of guests Um, and those that really are going to object to it they're probably fans of the original trilogy more so than the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy anyway making it all immaterial uh, or or not immaterial but moot to, uh, to that argument so I think you can step away from that timeline but For the sake of this argument, I actually had a thought that can go around, uh, can can satisfy both, where you're sticking to the timeline, but also getting uh, legacy characters in. And the setting on Batuu, uh, if you look at canon, there are uh, backstories that have Queen Amidala visiting, Anakin Skywalker visiting uh, throughout the years. And you can lean into things and make up additional backstories to Batuu that would allow for something like a Jedi Temple existing there. And I think that uh, having a third ride being a pursuit or trying to locate a Jedi Temple uh, would allow for appearances in some way, shape, or form, be it as a Force ghost, be it uh, in some sort of animatronic form, of any and all legacy characters uh, would work. Uh, It's enough of a bending of time and space of Star Wars where I don't think anybody is really going to argue with it. So that's kind of my thought, that you have a ride using Batuu as the spring point, just kind of a a, a jumping off point, uh, where you're pursuing a Jedi temple. And the thing that I do differently, uh, the other two attractions involve spacecraft of some type. I would have a different means of conveyance. Uh, The uh, Shanghai pirates ride system is the new trackless ride system for the thing we want to see in the parks. So have it be a family friendly attraction that has no height requirements. And the premise is you are trying to find a Jedi temple and the people that you encounter along the way, uh, I'm sure you're going to run into villains and their things are going to go horribly wrong, but you can do that and have encounters with uh, anybody with the prefix Darth and anybody that can wield a a lightsaber along the way. Uh, I think that isn't that much of a stretch if you want to extend the backstory of Batu and also satisfy the need to get legacy characters into a into the area so you know it's it's somewhat funny as i listen to you say that 
if you look at something like Fantasyland, the whole idea is departing from reality. Yeah. It's um it's interesting that people have no problem doing that, but if you deviate it all from the storyline of a fictional film, uh, the fans will roast you alive. So, I don't know what the real point there is other than the fact that it does seem like I think Disney needs to create their own wiggle room to be able to have some more flexibility in the stories that they tell on that land. Well, let's talk about Star Tours in general. Like Star Tours models storylines throughout it. And George Lucas uh, basically said, oh, who cares? Like you're hitting – it is – it's not quite a Star Wars 101 because there's no like plot summaries in it. But it's hitting a lot of the greatest hits. And if you want to – It is – that's what I call rock volume two. Yeah. I mean like you can continue – uh, if if you're extending Batu over to where Star Tours is, you change the exterior facade, hide the show building a little bit more, and you've got a spaceport where you're now bringing Star Tours as a fourth attraction in uh, Galaxy's Edge. It's not that big of a leap from a we, – we take these things seriously, but at the same time, you need to have a functional – uh, <laughs> uh, guest experience as well. And if you try to make something in line with the canon of uh, something that has 11 movies and countless books and several series and whatnot that are all kind of intertwined, uh, to put a theme park land on top of that is not really logical and viable. And, no, it, and But con- consider what you just said in contrast with the cookie cutter discussion we had earlier about Disneyland. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost remarkable that one company can be having these two crises simultaneously. And they set Marvel up uh, for that reason. So it's not part of the MCU, but references the MCU. So it's effectively a different world. And I mean, they could also argue that, well, we're about to establish the multiverse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, We've been dancing around it for the past three years. So this is just one of the many multiverses. All right, we've explained that. That's easy enough. So is the... Is the takeaway from all of our discussions that theme parks aren't viable and that we shouldn't look for cohesive themes lands, but rather a uh, cornucopia of individual attractions that don't tie into each other? Seems exactly. Like that I way. think that's exactly what we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and basing it hey, off I, on movies is the way to go. Tim, I got, <laughs> uh, I'm, I got a question about your attraction. Yep. Uh, will they be selling like little amulets or something that you can get uh, special kyber crystals for that if you wear those on the ride you'll you get bet your ass we are points <laughs> if you find them. I actually had another idea as well where I'm going to create an enormous cylindrical facility where we can sit right in the middle of the debate about intergalactic trade law on the Senate floor. I think that is uh, what every Star Wars fan is looking to do, just kind of relive those scenes from oh, that okay. kind of clones. Uh, I got one better for you. You called for a water ride. Why don't we do a water ride that when you you splash down into that trash compactor scene from A New Hope – and uh, when you get the little alien the eyeball that sticks up out from underneath the water. Uh, and so when you get off, it's, it's just like all muddy and crap and you stink like shit for the rest of the day while you're in the park. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to go with a Jar Jar based uh, water ride. I think that <laughs> <laughs> we are we already got that on Star Tours. Yes, yes. No, I, I think the gist of my thing was you could actually even use uh, a character that they've established in the land uh, that uh, Vi, Vi or V character. Uh, that's a resistance spy that occasionally appears in the land could kind of be our guide uh, to the Jedi temple and 
whatever the crisis is that they're trying to uh, satisfy by going to the Jedi Temple, she can be the kicking off point and tie it back to Batu. But um, I think the easiest solution across all this is to eliminate the uh, the set in stone timeline. I think that uh, for the most part, guests aren't going to be concerned about it, and there are ways to avoid it uh where like chewbacca can be out at all times but maybe you don't have kylo ren or darth vader out simultaneously um yeah and you can you can get away with things like that and i think it'll be fine uh i think they're going to need to bend and i think when they see the popularity of the mandalorian you're going to start to see those characters appear more as well so um let's let's move away from this unless either of you have anything else to add to mcclintock's question mcclintock I'll take that as a no. Uh, this is a follow-up from Keith Groshans. Uh, subject, Vista Way. Thank you for reading my photo <laughs> post on the college program slash Vista Way episode. That hanging Bud Light chandelier was awesome. If you look close, it was a cardboard six-pack that was hooked up to the light-activated motor that made it rotate when we turned the lights on. I was there in 94, and at the time, it could have rivaled Woodstock for drunken summer of love action. I worked <laughs> at Pecos Bill, location 666, no lie, and it was nuts. I was stuck in the kitchen most of the program on a cheeseburger assembly line and cooking those disgusting turkey legs. Uh, we should probably ask him, you know, to verify if he's, uh, if they actually are turkeys or if they're emos. <laughs> ben spoke of getting in trouble for taking time off. Thankfully, Pecos was the busiest restaurant in the Magic Kingdom, so they always overscheduled. So getting days off wasn't hard. Also, as Ben said, they took our rent out of our checks. For the last month of the program, I partied so hard and called in so much that I missed so many days of work. My parents got a bill for unpaid rent after I got home. <laughs> I did have an accidental run-in with the Disney investigation department where I got pulled off my location and taken to an office over Main Street and got grilled by some ex-FBI guys about a profanity-filled voicemail sent to some administrative office from my girlfriend's apartment. Turns out it was from her actual boyfriend who was visiting and drunk dialing numbers a few months before. Whoa, 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 there was a story whoa, whoa, there that Keith needs to light on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, bury in the lead here. Yeah, I Obviously, I know what the next episode's about. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was cleared, but holy crap, it scared the hell out of me. Thankfully, I wasn't terminated. One Episode funny 41 Vistaway Cucks. <laughs> One funny story I can share was that our last night was just a drunken blur. As I walked around saying our goodbyes, I had a huge garbage bag and collected everyone's uncooked pasta in it. We basically lived off things like ramen and mac and cheese. Once the bag was filled, I hopped the pool fence and proceeded to cook the pasta in the hot tub. The next morning, I saw maintenance draining it and scooping piles of wet pasta out onto the patio. Uh, overall, it was a crazy okay. time that I'm so thankful I was able to do. I speak to a few um, college programmers when there, and it seems that they are 100% stricter there than when I was there. Okay, so just got to – just so much. I can't yep. – that's Keith, right? Yes. The next guest on our show absolutely has to be his parents. <laughs> yep. uh, you cannot put your parents in contact with us. I don't want to talk to Keith. I want to talk to his disappointed <laughs> father. I actually, can we get a video of me playing catch in the yard with his dad? Because <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of unfulfilled hopes here. Probably, probably. Uh, Keith, hopefully you're not disappointing your parents too much. He concludes with, I doubt I would have lasted a week under current rules. Love the show. Keep up the awesome content. Uh, that was a great email, Keith. Thank you for sending that. That last part was directed at me. That was great. No, thank you. We love <laughs> Next 
Next one, uh, subject questions really going out on the limb there. Uh, dear hit podcast, Marty called. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like spam. I'm sorry. <laughs> or a family member. It is. No, it's the latter. Ah, there we go. Oh. I, was, I was intrigued with your advice about using Chia Pets for my front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> However, I, I am banned kid. from all dollar stores within a 450-mile radius. I cannot disclose why unless I'm invited to the hit pod- podcast, Marty called. I still I, want this kid on. <laughs> I also feel feel that your response about the Horizons ride was lackluster. I am also under the impression that Universal is much better than Disney World and always has been. Sincerely, your third favorite nephew, Keegan McCann. Well, he did get one thing right. Uh, (laughs) uh, Do you guys care to elaborate on Horizons or Universal versus Disney? I don't know specifically to what he is referring, but it sounds like he's disrespecting Horizons, so I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with him there. As far as Universal being better than Disney since the beginning of time, that would demonstrate a fundamental lack of understanding of which one of these things came first. Yep. 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 But I still want him on the show. <laughs> I also think he's been to Universal uh twice maybe, if I can remember correctly. Uh, That's anyway. two more times he's been to a Dollar General. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, Going to move on to this next one. Uh, question for Josh. This is coming from Ryan uh, Fanninstell. Usual spelling on that one. Uh, <laughs> what's going on, fellas? I was listening to an old episode of Progress City Radio from November 18th, 2019. Oh, yeah. In this episode, Scoodles, <laughs> spelling, took a shot at Josh about his Ethereum holdings and the value of those holdings. <laughs> I did a little research, and it looks like Ethereum was trading at $176 on that day. At the time of this email, it's currently trading at about $3,500. Has Josh purchased his private <laughs> island occupied only by himself and supermodels yet? Love the show. Ryan. Uh, Josh, care to comment? Uh, Publicly? I would be, but I have a 19-year-old <laughs> supermodel that's currently sucking the intelligence out of me. <laughs> Now, so here's – all right. I will respond to the question, honestly. Um, I'm a computer geek. I always have been. I became fascinated with cryptocurrency in about 2011 when I was in law school, which was three years after I had sold my Apple stock, which I owned at about $38 a share. Um, didn't do anything about my interest oh, in cryptocurrency God. other than <laughs> to talk about it. Um Spent about $10,000 on a mining rig back in about 2015. Um, succeeded mainly in overheating my garage for a couple of years. Sold at a low point, uh, And I'm currently in a massive hole due to my cryptocurrency holding. So if you ever... you, I might be useful in the world also, of investing. Also, there's burn marks in his garage. No, there really is. Like My garage was 115 <laughs> degrees one day, and I'm not joking. Um I, you have to take the George Costanza p- approach with me in investing. Whatever I do, just do the opposite, and you will yeah. probably be in good shape. Um, I've lived a very blessed life because I'm not actually suffering the consequences of what I've deserved based on the decisions that I've made. But holy shit, I can turn a lot of money into a little bit of money in relatively <laughs> short period of time. I know people do go to us for uh, cryptocurrency advice. <laughs> well, not that's, that, that's the primary reason why people uh, – Execute the show, or li- execute the show. Listen to the show. So uh, your your takeaway from this is uh, put all your money in crypto and uh, stop working. And what what else? Uh, what other good advice do you have here? The, the irony is that I and this is no joke. I actually bought a thousand Dogecoin Dogecoin during the recording of this show because it's plummeting. Wrapped up like a Dogecoin, <laughs> and oh sorry. So okay, I was I was just I about s- to ask, what do I, I do s- with my thousand Dogecoin that I have right now? Do I help? hold or sell but uh well it's tanking so obviously you buy more <laughs> I bought charles, it t- charles schwab can go suck one 
I bought in at ten cents, so I'm still doing okay. Yeah, I'm good. Right, you're doing I good. invest in Royal uh, Family Collective uh, Commemorative Plates. That's oh, that's uh, that's actually you can't lose on there. Not just the QVC ones. There's other there's other lines as well. But if you see anything with the Royal Family on them and it's a decorative plate, uh, <laughs> that is. Absolutely solid. Guaranteed uh, to go up in value. Are you still – how's your spoon collection doing? I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my grandmother, uh, my, my late grandmother, um, she's still with us. She's just never punctual. Uh, anyway, she, <laughs> that, she – That's a great joke. I don't care who you are right there. You finally said a funny joke on the show. That was a good one. Do you see how quick it was? Do you understand now how this works? <laughs> Uh, she, when we were, uh, cleaning out her house after she passed away. Oh, you really set us up for, (laughs) what an asshole you are. Uh, the amount of spoons and other things like that. Was she on time to the funeral? Um, yeah, no, she was not actually, but anyway. That's awesome. That's a very baller move. But yes, it's it's safe to assume that, uh, somebody in my family has collected it if it is a thing that other people have collected. Uh, Hmm. the, the range, and most of that is my father satisfying that part of it. But, uh, no, the, uh, the the spoons was definitely something that my grandmother could, uh, collect. I I remember going to, um, I lived, I grew up as a kid in Florida, and there was, there used to be a water park in Fort Lauderdale called Atlantis. No relation to Six Flags, but it eventually became a Six Flags Atlantis, but I don't think even then it was related to Six Flags. But anyway, I need to interrupt and uh, say that it's a good thing that we do not have a video uh, podcast because a stink bug just startled me and I just jumped like (laughs) six inches in my chair. All the list, all eight of our listeners really needed to know that. So that was a good call. I felt the need to interject. (laughs) But I remember, I was probably, I don't know seven or eight years old i remember walking into the gift shop and they had a spoon hanging there and i'm like man one day i'm gonna be able to get one of those <laughs> and uh you know life goals uh, i do actually own several spoons now so i guess uh i guess my life's a success i think that is the measure of success yeah so back but back to our listener if you own a home and your bills are paid <laughs> buy some make some stupid investments yeah but if, if, if you're paying rent if you're you know Stretch a paycheck to paycheck. Don't dick around with that because to me it's all just speculation. It's gambling. Fund, fund it's like your real retirement plan first, and then yeah. you can do the fun money stuff. Pay yeah, for your park tickets, and then you can invest. My investment strategy is: I will never be rich. It's assured by my <laughs> lack of judgment. Uh, we are planning on doing more shows more frequently. Uh, Whoa, hold I'm, on, what? Now that, now that I'm out <laughs> of the tax season, um, the, uh, the hang-up has been me. So we have a couple of ideas in the hopper. First time in Tim's life he's been hung. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Maybe you can find times for 30-minute joke shows. But if you do have <laughs> any, any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. We'd also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Memorial Day is coming up, and the best place to buy tiny American flags is through our Amer- Amazon affiliate link. doesn't cost you anything, but helps fund the show with purchases you're going to be making anyway. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water, and you can find my top 10 column in every issue of Attractions Magazine. Josh, how about you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at hi, I'm Mr. Pickles, with two okay. underscores under each underneath each word. And you also, spell pickle, right? Uh, I did. Utilidors.com. <laughs> and just as an aside, uh, my portfolio has dropped 10%, but um, <laughs> I did that all in the last 24 hours, so things are looking pretty good. 
<laughs> impressive, impressive. You can find me at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter, WDWThemeParks.com, and in the next few minutes, I will be killing a bug. I'm like Warren Buffett with a head injury. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. <laughs> good night. Peace. one shot one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment would you capture it or just let it slip yo his palms are sweaty knees weak arms are heavy there's vomit on his sweater already mom's spaghetti he's nervous but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down the whole crowd goes so loud he opens his mouth but the words won't come out he's choking how everybody's joking now the clock's run out time's up over blow snap back to reality oh there goes gravity oh there goes gravity choked he's so mad but he won't give up that is he know he won't have it he knows his whole backs of these ropes it don't matter he's dope he knows that but he's broke he's so stagnant he knows when he goes back to his mobile home that's when it's back to the lab again yo this whole rhapsody better go capture this moment hope it don't pass him you better lose yourself in the music the moment you own you better never let it go you only get one shot do not miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime you better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it you better never let it go you only get one shot do not miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime you better